AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. There are stories to tell for corn, soybeans, and even wheat from today's USDA reports. And these are the kind of stories that can change attitudes in each of the markets for the next few weeks. Bottom line, reports were bullish, sort of, for beans and corn, and were bearish, sort of, for wheat. Live from the report day afterglow via Farm Journal broadcast this well, this is AgriTalk. This afternoon, <laughs> it's a conversation with Ben Brown from the University of Missouri. And right after the news, Oliver Slope from Blue Line Futures. I'm a handsome newsman, Davis Michelson, now the host of AgriTalk, Chip Flory. There are all kinds of details that we've got to get to in, in the reports today. Are there? Including, including some major adjustments to the 2002 crops. Mm-hmm. I call them major. I think they're major. But the timing of all of this it 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 makes the what if scenarios really interesting for i think for corn in particular Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but for soybeans and for wheat so we're going to go through those with ben brown i i can't think of any honestly i can't think of anybody better to have on the show today to run down these changes and and to take a look at the uh, the what ifs in this marketplace they cut corn exports. You, I think you're going to talk about it in the news. Maybe not. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. But they cor- they cut corn exports 150 million bushels and carryover went down. Yeah. I noticed that too. Um, now, what if 150 million bushels is a slice? That's mm-hmm. a slash mm-hmm. of, that, of that corn export estimate. What if they went too far? Ooh. And we're working with with an already smaller carryover estimate than what we thought we were going to have. Mm-hmm. This, this is uh, <laughs> January comes through again, Davis. This was a major surprise in the report. Let's get to some of the details. Well, Chip, Wheat Futures got a mixed bag of data, including a surprise 29 million bushel increase to 21-22 carryover. That added to supplies for the 22-23 marketing year, which was more than offset by a 33 million bushel increase in total use. A lot of moving parts here in the supply and demand report for wheat chip, but price gains were capped by the 3.7 million acre increase in winter wheat seedings from a year ago. Traders expected an increase, but at 36.95 million acres, wheat seedings topped trade expectations. By 1.2 million acres, March SRW wheat futures opened steady and traded lower ahead of the reports. Prices were pulled to a high range close by the gains in the corn and soybeans. March HRW wheat futures 12 and three quarter cents higher on the day at 8.35. March soft red wheat up two and three quarter cents, 7.42 and three quarters. March spring wheat closed at 9.12 and one quarter. That's up 13, Chip. Yeah, there had to be something in the all wheat stocks report december one stocks that was enough incentive that they had to find bushels someplace so they went back six months later 
and halfway through the next marketing year and changed last year's carryover, Davis. It's just weird, weird. Well, USDA cut 201 million bushels from the 2022 corn crop estimate by cutting 1.637 million from harvested corn acres to just 79.207 million acres. Man. The acreage cut was partially offset by a one-bushel increase to the national average corn yield, which now stands at 173.3 bushels per acre. December 1 corn stocks in all positions came in 344 million bushels below the average pre-report trade estimate. <laughs> An estimated 22-23 corn carryover of 1.242 billion bushels, 72 million bushels below trade expectations. March corn posted a major upside reversal and posted the first close above 670 since January 3rd. March corn futures were 15 cents higher, 671. May corn up 14 and one quarter to 669 and one half. July corn futures closed at 661 and one half, up 13 cents. Yeah, corn carryover, as you said, 72 million below the trade guess, but down 15 million bushels from the December supply and demand report. USDA cut last year's harvested soybean acres by 295,000 and cut the national average bean yield by seven-tenths of a bushel to drop last year's bean crop estimate by 70 million bushels from November. Soybean stocks in all positions on December 1 at 3.022 billion bushels, or 110 million bushels below the average trade guess. Mm-hmm. And while traders expected 22-23 bean carryover to be up 16 million bushels from last month, USDA dropped carryover by 10 million bushels from December. March bean futures opened on session lows and closed above 15 bucks for the first time this year. March beans were 25 and one half cents higher, 15, 18 and one half. May beans up 22 and three quarters, 15, 19 and one quarter. July beans closed at 15, 18 and one half, up 20 and three quarter cents. Yeah, and they made some uh, some big adjustments, I would say. 45.5 million metric tons on the Argentine bean crop. That's down from 49.5. Argentine corn crop down 3 million metric tons from December to 52. Estimated 22-23 cotton carryover of 4.5 million bales. 700,000 more than trade expectations. March cotton, 222 points lower, 82.04. On your livestock's front month live cattle futures clawed back most of this morning's losses to close just slightly higher. February fats down 20 cents, 157.55. And March feeders off 127 and one half, 184.27 and one half. Sellers remain in control of the lean hog market. Feb hogs, 55 cents lower, 78.75. April hogs down a buck twenty-two and a half to eighty-seven seventeen and one half. Chip Flory. All right, thank you very much, Davis. Oliver Slope, Blue Line Futures. Good afternoon, Oliver. Hey, man, it's so much for a quiet January report day, huh? Oh man, I mean, it started really seven or six thirty this morning. We had Conab, we had the weekly exports, we had the CPI, and now I'm just sucking wind over here. I'm ready for five <laughs> o'clock to roll around. <laughs> <laughs> who won your can you tell us who won your call the close uh, i i haven't even had time to go okay. through and look at it so tbd i'll keep you posted though very good very good so big upside reversal in the corn market session high close in beans it feels like momentum is back 
Yeah, a- absolutely. And uh, the Corn Bowl certainly have something to, to be excited about today because it was one of those things where we had been consolidating over the last five sessions, building up energy, and we were going to go one way or the other. Fortunately for the Bulls, they got a nice move to the upside. We tagged that 100-day moving average to a T, 673.5, just above that trend line resistance near 680, which is derived from those highs going back to May. So that's going to be a a bigger area to keep an eye on, which is also really the highs of the year. So you look at today's move and you're pretty excited, but zoom out, we're right back to where we started the year. So it's a good day, but keep things in perspective. We're right back to where we started. 680 is going to be the, the big inflection point we're keeping an eye on going forward. Yeah, and we're going to find out if old crop beans like the air above 15 bucks again. Yeah, absolutely. As with corn, we're right back to where we started the year, yep. uh, which was basically filling that gap from June up near 624, 628. If it gets out above there, there's a knock on wood, clear skies until those contract highs, 1572 and a quarter that we saw back in June. So it'll be uh, interesting. I'm, I'm sure see the volatilities continue to pick back up here yep. to start the year. Yep. I sure didn't see that coming in the TCU-Georgia game. I didn't even watch a second of the second half. That was embarrassing. It was. No doubt about it. All right, buddy. We'll talk to you next week. Oliver Slope, Blue Line Futures. Ben Brown, Senior Research Associate at the University of Missouri, is up next here on Agritalk. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. Do you suffer from talking on the radio phobia? No problem. Send us a tweet at hashtag Agritalk. Report day. Solid, solid gains in the corn market and soybeans. Kind of a mixed price performance, but on the on the plus side of unchanged in wheat and those livestock markets having a really difficult time for, uh, catching a bid, especially in hogs. Uh, hog market is now targeting that October low, it's got about another buck and a half, something like that to go uh, to get there. But I don't know what's going to stop it from from getting there. That's for sure. All right. I'm Chip. Glad that you are with us this afternoon on a report day. And let's get into some of the details. Ben Brown, Senior Research Associate in Ag and Applied Economics at the University of Missouri is our guest analyst today. Ben, welcome back, man. It's good to talk with you again. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me, Chip. Always really enjoy this opportunity. Yeah, well, I sure appreciate you making time on report days, especially, and especially on a day like today with with four major reports coming in. 
with surprises across the the board. I, ben, it's been a I was, busy day, Chip. <laughs> can you it's been imagine? A busy day. Can you imagine when Lance Honig, the chief of the crops branch at USDA's NAS, started started getting the the data in, and it started to to draw you know go to the bottom line. Can you imagine his reaction when he saw some of these changes? And let's start on the production side, the 2022 corn crop. We lost how we lost how many 1.637 million acres uh, off the harvested acreage number. 79.207. That was a okay, surprise number 1 right there, right? Actually, it's my so before I got on here, I made a list of my biggest surprises of the day, and that that was my biggest one, uh, yeah. just because of how important corn is and how big of a number that was. And you're right, it came in 1.64, basically million acres less than than what we had, you know, back in November. It was also 1.6 million acres less than what the average trade guess was heading into the day. Uh, that's our lowest corn acreage, harvested corn acreage number since 2008. So uh, to put that in perspective, you know, a big number there, but it came from states that were suffering from drought. Uh, we look at Kansas down 710,000 acres, uh, Nebraska down 480,000 acres, South Dakota down 240,000. So it's it's not hard to see, yep. you know, what the story was here. And to your point about getting some of this data in and, and is it surprising, I can make a pretty quick story out of this. Um, forage was low out west. Uh, it was dry. There was nothing to eat. Um, and if you've got some corn that's not going to make uh, much grain and yep. you've got animals to feed, uh, you turn that into silage. It's, you know, we wouldn't consider that a failed acre because it's still used. But, you know, in, in the eyes of this, it is a failed acre because it didn't produce grain, but it produced right. forage. So it's right. a pretty easy story to make here in terms of some of these these corn acreage adjustments. Okay. So. I will, I will say, if I can add in, the yeah. thing that I was surprised that complemented this, so surprised by the acreage number, but then let's talk about that one bushel per acre increase. yield increase. Yep. Um, no, normal, or, yeah. So normally we would see, you know, if, if you're taking corn out of production um, in, in areas that are suffering from drought or are, you know, having a challenging production year, it doesn't have to be a drought, it can be too wet too, or, you know, a ratio, for instance, or something like that. But if you take acres out of production that are, are struggling, you know, to, to produce a, a, a full ear and, and it's going to really hamper that. And you take those out, it tends to prop up the national yield. Yep. Um, and so at first I looked at the acreage at where it came out, it hit, it was coming out in those drought infected areas. And I, I certainly thought that's where we'd saw the, see the increases in yield at the state level. And that's not, um, we saw the increases uh, at the state level in states like Missouri, that was up seven bushels per acre. In North Carolina, that was up 14 bushels an acre. I have to be honest, I had to go back and double and triple check that number because I, I just, I wasn't sure if that was right. Michigan well, yeah. was up four bushels per acre. Minnesota was up four bushels per acre. So I sit here and I say, normally we take acreage out of production that helps that national average yield, but it was kind of other states that were playing that supporting role, kind of like in basketball. You get other players that kind of pick up some slack, um, and you win some games sometimes, and that's what we had here. That, you know, I'll admit, I've been a little busy here since the report was out, too. I haven't had a chance to look at the state-by-state -state breakdowns. That's baffling If that we didn't get the, the – that the increase, that one-bushel increase in the national yield wasn't led by the states that saw the greatest cuts – 
to harvested acres. That's baffling. Yeah, so Kansas, flat. Oklahoma, flat. Nebraska, down three bushels to the acre. Colorado, down three bushels to the acre, right? So almost exactly opposite what we would normally anticipate um, in, in some of those estimates. That is wild. Okay. Well, let's let's keep moving through the the report here because that smaller than expected crop from a year ago gave us a uh, a smaller than expected December one quarterly grain stocks number ten point eight zero nine billion bushels. Uh, that was three hundred forty four million bushels below the average pre report trade guess, and it re- that's the kind of thing that can change attitudes in this corn market going forward. Absolutely. And I, the picture here is stocks are getting tighter. Um, we thought we'd see maybe some, some demand uh, changes that would increase those ending stocks. And instead, what we got is for corn, soybeans, and wheat, tighter stocks across the board. Um, again, I, I go back to you got to feed something. Um, if, if you don't have grass and, and you know, you're struggling to find feed wheat, uh, in some cases, even though we did see some more, some additional feed wheat uh, here in the quarter, you, know, you got to feed you know, something. And we saw that with corn. Um, I will remind listeners here that this is as of December 1st. Yep. Um, a lot has happened since December 1st. Namely, ethanol had a brutal month in December, um, just brutal month in terms of production. Uh, and while we've seen a little bit of relief here lately or you know, pickup in terms of corn grind, um, a, a rough month for corn and then exports just continue to, to really take it on the chin. Uh, and so that has developed since this January 1st estimate. So maybe a little bit better stocks when we get around to March 1st or higher stocks is what I should say, but certainly tight stocks as of December 1st. Excellent points, Ben. Uh, corn for ethanol use unchanged from December supply and demand at 5.275 billion bushels. But the export situation is being reflected in the estimate, down 150 million bushels from last month and all the way down at 1.925 billion bushels now. Um, yeah, you know, we've got that bit of an uptick in in the the ethanol grain now, the recovery from you know, the, the rail scare and, and that the really, really cold conditions that they had to deal with. We're seeing the recovery there. But what if they've overshot to the downside now on this corn export estimate when we've got one point just I'm just going to round at one point two five billion bushels of corn expected to be left over at the end of the year? Yeah, so you you raise a good point. I, w- I would just simply say, you know, if we've over, you know if USDA overshot, certainly that that creates you know sparks in the market, and we'll have to deal with those. I personally don't think they overshot. Heading okay. into the day, I had it that ethanol was still about you know twenty five million bushels um, too high compared to where we've seen you know grind okay. as of late. Um, so if we just averaged out the rest of the year. You know, ethanol would still have to come down 25 million bushels on, on that demand category. Okay. And then heading into the day, that export sales report that we got this morning, and then tie that in with all the commitments we have, I'm still, even after that one in 150 million bushel reduction in corn exports, I am still 222 million bushels lower um, by the time we get to the end of the year. So, um, the and the export 7. inspections also support that. Uh, export inspections are 122 million below the, sea, the pace we need to, to hit this target. So, um, I think maybe even a little bit more in February still to come. Okay, so what the the update on the corn carryover one point two four two billion bushels in this morning's report? What are you looking for there? 
So you're talking about by the time we get to the end of the year, right? Not yep, estimating yep. February by the time we get to the end of the year. Yes. Um, certain. Yep. So certainly. So uh, I have to pull that chart up, just make sure I pull the right number for you here. But okay. you know, as we think about it, um, you know, we're sitting somewhere right around 1.35 uh, billion bushels. So okay. almost 100 million bushels higher than where we are today. Gotcha. 1.35. As as if we work to a one point three five billion bushel carryover for twenty two twenty three, does does a six fifty six seventy five old crop market still make sense? I do believe so um, because the market is still trying to manage, um, you know, demand here. Uh, We look at South, uh, South America and maybe we'll get a chance to talk about that here after a bit or after the break, but South America corn production, especially in Argentina um, and even Southern Brazil, I think is going to continue to to struggle with dryness. And so that, you know, again, tightens this world feed grain market. Um, When we talk about feed grains, corn, grain, sorghum, barley, uh, wheat, you know, all all tight um, and and continually growing tighter. It seems. Yep, yep. Man, that flew by, Ben. Um, great job. We're off to a great start here, and uh, we're going to keep it going. We're going to cover the numbers on soybeans next. Some very similar trends in in the supply and demand table as as what we just talked about on corn, uh, and we've got to take a look at the winter wheat seedings estimates. Wow. Big number there. Ben Brown, University of Missouri, here on AgriTalk. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. Time now for news of note from Pro Farmer. The Rosario Grain Exchange slashed its Argentine soybean and corn production forecasts as the country faces the worst drought in 60 years. Conab lowered its official Brazilian soybean and corn production estimates from last month, citing poor distribution of rainfall. China's Ag Ministry raised its forecasts for corn and soybean production. Consultancy Strategy Grains now forecasts EU soft wheat output at 3% above 2022's production. China's Consumer Price Index rose 1.8% annually in December, up from an eight-month low of 1.6% in November. The rise in consumer inflation was driven by a 4.8% jump in food prices. And beef packers reportedly don't want to pay more for uh, cattle in the last end of the week here, while feedlots are in no hurry to sell at lower prices. Get more at TryProFarmer.com. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. Knowledge is power. 
We're here to charge your batteries. Agritalk. Welcome back to Agritalk. I'm Chip. Glad that you're with us this afternoon. We are in the middle of a conversation with Ben Brown from the University of Missouri. Before we get back to Ben, Davis, go ahead and recap where the market's closed. Chip, March hard red winter wheat futures were 12 and three quarter cents higher today, 835. March SRW wheat up two and three quarter cents, 742 and three quarters. March corn futures 15 cents higher, 671. July corn futures closed at 661 and one half, up 13 cents. March soybean futures 25 and one half cents higher at 518 and one half. July beans closed at 518 and one half, up 20 and three quarter cents. March cotton 222 points lower, 8204. Livestocks, February fat cattle down 20 cents, 157.55. March feeder futures down 127 and one half to 184.27 and one half. And February lean hog futures 55 cents lower today, 78.75 on the close. Chip, that's your quick market recap. Now back to you. All right. Thank you very much, Davis. Ben Brown is a senior research associate in Ag and Applied Economics at the University of Missouri. He's our guest analyst today in breaking down the USDA reports. Ben, let's go over to beans here. Um, they they took 70 million bushels off the 2022 bean crop, cut the average yield, national average yield, to 49.5 bushels per acre. That's down seven-tenths of a bushel. And took 295,000 acres off the harvested acreage tally. Uh, not as dramatic as what it was for corn, but that's a significant shift. No, absolutely. You know, kind of a double whammy there on, on production, uh, reduced acreage and reduced yield, um, helped lower those production volumes. You know, it should be noted, I guess, that the production volume came in below all trade analyst estimates for the the day. And so that was kind of a, that was a bullish surprise uh, to the market here as we look uh, at soybeans. Uh, nothing overly out of whack on the on the grain stocks for soybeans, even though it was smaller than what was anticipated, but but not by much. So um, smaller supplies on soybeans as well. Yeah. And then estimated use or I shouldn't say estimated use implied use in the grain stocks report down four percent, down four uh, percent. No surprise there. Well, so that export number was the one that came down 55 million bushels. Uh, we've been, you know, a little bit, um, you know, slow here as of late with with additional sales, you know, adding to those total commitments. Total commitments are still up um, relative to where we need to be to, to end the year at, at this target. So uh, maybe a little bit surprised that USDA went ahead and, and made that revision on, on U.S. soybean exports. But to me, this was them tilting their hand or at least indicating and recognizing the larger Brazilian crop, um, both in terms of the size of the crop coming or coming out of the ground and, and getting ready to be harvested, in some cases being harvested, and then also beginning stocks from last year. Um, and that was the surprise to me on the soybean side was an extra 2.5 million metric tons in last year's Brazilian soybean crop, which led to an additional 3 million metric tons of beginning stocks to start this marketing year for them. So I think those extra supplies in South America, plus we're kind of getting to the yep. end of our, our shipping window here is what led USDA to, to go ahead and make yep. that revision. All right, cool. Good job connecting the dots there. A dot that's laying uh, that's lying outside is the 20 cent increase in the the estimated or projected national average on farm cash soybean price for the year. Um, you would 
Yeah, I, I get it. You know, is, is this is another one of those times where did the cut to demand come because of the higher price or did the higher price cause the cut to demand? It it uh, it lines up that way. But when you start talking about the global stocks and everything, factoring that in, I, I don't know if that all connects the dots or not. Sure. And some of this is, you know, the the price points that we've already had for this marketing year, even though we're only, yep. what is this now, four months into the marketing year, you know, those prices have, have been elevated. We've seen a lot of crop be sold at those prices. So average. that certainly helps. Yep. That certainly helps pick up that, that national average price. You make a very good point about the U.S. soybean price versus the world price. Um, we are at a premium um, and will likely have to come down at some point to match the world. Um, however, it is hard to see U.S. soybean price is falling much further than what they are relative to corn. Um, so they're kind of tethered a little bit in that corn market. Um, but certainly, you know, we are higher uh, relative to the rest of the world in soybean prices. Yep. Okay. They, anything else on beans before we go to wheat quickly? No, not really. Just that they maintain that soybean crushing number. Uh, we've seen, yeah. you know, solid crushing uh, volumes for the year. I think for me, looking ahead, one of the things I'll be watching for the next couple months for soybeans is extraction rates from soybeans. Um, our extraction rates so far this year have been light, um, and you know that leads to smaller volumes of soybean oil um, as we pr- crush soybeans. And so that'll be something I'm watching, especially for that soybean oil market as okay. we move ahead. Okay, excellent. Over to wheat. We've got to go all the way back to the 2021-22 marketing year to start the conversation because the beginning stocks or the 21-22 carryover was at 669. They added 29 million bushels to that, took it up to 698 million bushels. They did that by cutting the feed and residual uh, use for 21-22. I thought that was... It, it had to be something in the D1 stocks that that forced well, and then that they added adjustment. it to this yeah, then they added it to this year right so that yeah. was kind of the offsetting factors they took it out of last year and added it to this year um, and you know this, this really just plays back to that you know when we were when we were feeding wheat or when we were feeding products um, wheat was the higher cost product relative to corn. And so we just didn't feed as much wheat at those higher prices. Um, and it eventually we're now kind of seeing that kind of work its way out of lower feed volumes, lower feed wheat volumes. Um, the expectation or they offset that with, you know, added feed this year, that's probably a little bit of a result, or I anticipate that that's the result of lower corn, um, volumes and, and having to feed something. So, um, Finally yeah. catching up. This is something yeah. I've been waiting for. And the fact that I didn't think we said that much wheat at those okay. high prices. Um, so now I feel like we've caught back up. Okay. Okay. So a, a needed adjustment, even though it was a, a, you know, a marketing year that we'd closed the books on. Uh, yep. Sort of. Absolutely. So, okay. Yeah. All right. The big, now, the big story for wheat yeah. was the acreage numbers. Yeah. Man. <laughs> Um, and that's, this is always, I love wheat acres. I love wheat, um, mostly just from the standpoint that it's harvested in the long days of summer. Um, I know you can spend all day harvesting wheat, and not have a full combine. And that's why people love corn and soybeans, but I, I love <laughs> harvesting wheat in the summer. Um, it's been interesting, you know, to ask producers, uh, what their intentions were for wheat or what they anticipated their wheat, their own wheat being relative to last year, um, Missouri and Ohio, um, two States I have ties to, 
um, are, are two of those swing states, especially in that soft red winter wheat category. And so I've been, anytime a farmer called me to ask a question, I always ended the conversation asking them about their wheat. Um, and so when we look at this and all wheat acres for the U S up 11%, um, to 30, almost 37 million acres, um, which was a strong number higher than what the trade was anticipating heading into the day. Um, a little bit of a shock. It created that bearish factor that we saw. But then I think people started to realize that a planted acre of wheat doesn't necessarily mean a harvested acre of wheat. And we saw the market kind of correct for that a little bit. I'll give you a prime example. Last year in Missouri, we were at last January, it was estimated that Missouri planted 880,000 acres of wheat. By the time we got around to September, that number had worked its way all the way down to 630,000. So, you know, 250,000 acres less than what we started in January. That is not an error by USDA. That's just the reality of wheat. Um, it's it's a cover crop in some cases. If it doesn't look good, you, you terminate it. If, um, you know, relative prices for corn and soybeans might cause wheat to move to other things as well. So wheat is an interesting thing. Um, Missouri today was pegged at 860,000 acres. So not as high as last year, but mm-hmm. certainly well above where we finished this, you know, the, the last year's crop uh, for acreage. Um, so now my question is, okay, where do we end up now in Missouri? Um, and at least for right now, a, a lot of people are intending to keep that wheat, but we'll see how that changes as we work our way through the next couple of months. Right, right. And when you when you throw together a winter wheat crop with the potential for double cropping soybeans behind it, it that's all I heard from soft red country was that's the combination that works. I would anticipate quite a bit of that this year, huh? You know, I, I think you're right. Um, the state that was of interest to me was Illinois. So Illinois was up 210,000 acres from their estimate last January. All the rest of the states were relatively close um, from last January. Um, but Illinois was up 210,000 acres. Now, we, we don't associate Illinois with wheat, right? Illinois is a big corn and soybean state. Um, we don't necessarily associate with that with wheat. But in the southern part of the state, they do double crop. And, and this is, this is why I think Illinois may be our bellwether this year in terms of producers in Southern Illinois being willing to try wheat, following it up with a double crop. So, I mean, and taking advantage of that double crop crop insurance premium that, you know, comes with it. Yeah. Yeah. There's a reason that they made that change on the, on the crop insurance and it was to encourage more double cropping and, and it, 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 Kind of looks like the guys in Illinois got it figured out. Good stuff, Ben. What What else? Anything else from the reports that really caught your attention? We've only got about thirty seconds left. You know, I'll just I'll just simply say that uh, you know today's reports I think really kind of give us a, a nice platform as we move through the next couple of weeks. I think we I think we've identified some of the things that we knew were happening and provided us a reset, um, if you want to call it that, on the export side, got us in that thinking. The question now is, do these trends continue, or do the do the weekly reports that we get continue to to cause us concern for this? Or as you said earlier, did we go too far and we might see you know supply or demand kind of come back or rebound a little bit in the months ahead? I'm more in the camp of you know we've got more revisions on the downward to go for demand, but but uh, today was a good reset I think in terms of our expectations yeah. of, of fundamentals. All right, let's get the spring price set on the crop insurance and figure out acre, acreage after that, huh? That's right. March will All be right, here ben. before we know it. That's exactly right. Good work, Ben. Thank you so much, Ben Brown, University of Missouri.
From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. Chickens have come home to roost. Find out whose fence they're perched on today on Agritalk. Bagok, Bagok, everybody. David <laughs> Michelson here on Agritalk with you. Report day with Chip Flory. Yeah. We spoke with Ben Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, we we knew that the markets were probably going to respond to something. And there was no shortage of uh, somethings to respond to <laughs> yeah. in this series of reports. Uh, you know, I, I'm i wondering how the listeners might respond or even uh, appraise the, I don't know, the, the sanity, the credibility of a guy who loves harvesting wheat. Like Ben Brown admitted, he just he just said it. He just put it right he out came there. He came right out and said it. He said it. Yep. Yeah. Didn't even sound I, like he was looking at his feet when he said it. You know what no. I mean? Like he like he said it. Yeah. It. He meant it when he said it. <laughs> um, I, I am guessing. I, I, you know, I don't know this for a fact that he may have been in an open station combine harvesting wheat at some point. <laughs> <laughs> but it sounds like life in an air conditioned cab to me is, is uh-huh. my, you know okay fair enough i'm i'm just saying i'm just we'll saying. ask him about that next time we get him on <laughs> that's a great observation <laughs> <laughs> well but and and in all seriousness you and i you and i were talking during the break there just then about the value that that ben brings just i yeah. guess maybe you'd call it horse sense yeah, on, the on light that he's days. able to, the way he's able to dig into the numbers in these reports and yeah. make them make sense, make us care, and tell mm-hmm. us why. Yeah, yeah, a, a a change in a number or a change in an estimate from the previous month isn't just a change in the number to Ben. There's a reason there. Right. There's a reason that that number changed, and he wants to find it. I I think it's, um, and not only that. Take it forward. Use use some imagination on what that might mean going forward yep. in the price outlook. And, and the, I think it's, yeah, I really enjoy those conversations with him. Now, get this. Mm-hmm. Uh, on Twitter, at BenBrownMU, at BenBrownMU, he shared, uh, a, I guess it'd be a screenshot or something, of the way that he does his analysis of reports, on, especially on a, a report day like this. Where mm-hmm. he's got his change and and um, uh, the data gets plugged in, and then if it's price supportive, the cell is in green. If it's price negative, the cell is in red. Talk about oh. it. I mean, 
it, wow. it helps to i <laughs> i've only been doing this 35 years and i've never done that uh-huh. mm-hmm. i think i'm gonna start doing that uh, well your, your strengths lie elsewhere Jeff, <laughs> thank perhaps you. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. You're special in your own way. Yeah. Uh, we talked about well, all sorts of stuff. Right. A couple of more bases that we need to touch here yes. before we put a lid on this show. Um, we talked all about all sorts of domestic stuff. Talk to me about the globals. Talk to me about global carry. Okay. okay. Very good. Let's start with corn. Global carry over 296.4 million metric tons compared to year ago. That's down 9.5 million metric tons, down 9.5 million tons. So the year-to-year trend on corn carry is in the bullish Mm -hmm. direction. That would be in a green cell on Ben's sheet. And compared to month ago, what is that, down 2 million? Down 2 million tons there. On the production side of thing, we we mentioned that they took 3 million metric tons off of Argentina. They did take a million tons off the Brazilian corn crop that's now down to 125 million tons Mm -hmm. but that was basically replaced the south american losses on a global scale were were basically replaced by a 3.2 million metric ton increase in the chinese corn crop Mm. estimate 277.2 million metric ton which by the way could be 50 million ton too high or too low we just don't know because it's china i'm sure half kidding half kidding Um, half kidding half kidding on the soybeans, let's take a look at those numbers here real quick. 103.5 million metric tons for 2022-23. That is 5.3 million metric tons higher than year ago. So we're going in the wrong direction. Red cell. Red cell uh, on the year-to-year comparison. Month to month up just under a million tons. Month to month. Uh, Argentine bean crop was cut 4 million metric tons to 45.5. And the Brazilian crop, uh, 153 million metric tons. That is up a million from last month. Okay, now on to wheat. 268.4 million metric tons for 22.23. That's 8.4 million metric tons lower than 2021-22, but it was up a million tons from last month. So year to year, it's still a positive for the wheat market. Uh, month to month, the trend is starting in the wrong direction, up 1.1 million metric tons. Cotton, you know, the the U.S. carryover was 700,000 bales above trade expectations. We got a, a, another cut to the, uh, let's see, where can I find that number here real quick? We got the, we got the cut two acres that that was generally expected but on the yield side of things what was the number that they put it was a huge increase in the national average uh cotton yield 79 pounds per acre up to 947 pounds per acre they took 435 acres out of harvested but added basically 80 pounds 80 pounds to the national average yield. That is aggressive. That's, yeah, astonishing. Uh, The global cotton carryover, 89.9 million acres for 22-23. Jeez, that's like 4.5 million bales more than a year ago and up about 350,000 bales from last month. So 
going in the wrong direction on cotton for those global carryover numbers there, too. Um, apparently, our, our good friend Clark Neighbors from BIS Commodities weighed in. You got oh, time? Yes, real quickly. Uh, a few highlights from Clark Neighbors, BIS. Uh, tight stocks, tightest stocks to use ratio on soybeans, 4.8% in 10 years. The record soybean crush is in the demand side of the balance sheet. Smallest corn harvested acres in 13 years, 79.2 million there. And corn demand, lowest in seven years. In seven years. Man, hmm. that's a that's a big drop there, no doubt about it. All right, thank you so much for listening this afternoon. Tomorrow morning, we got the free-for-all. Wiesmeyer, Haney, Michelson, and me. Tomorrow afternoon, Rick Brock, Brock Report, right here on Agritalk. Thank you.